Welcome to the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is bizarre, mysterious, and unexplained. I'm your host for this episode, Eric, joined by my fellow co-host, Sean. Hey, everybody. So on this episode, we're going to be talking all about the living undead, the rotting monsters commonly known as zombies. Now, most people are pretty familiar with zombies in one way or another the reanimated corpses that have an insatiable urge to consume human flesh. Zombies as a whole are pretty popular and trendy right now, spanning across a wide range of media and genres, especially with the popularity of shows like The Walking Dead and recent movies like World War Z, video game series like Dead Rising and Left 4 Dead. Zombies can pretty much be found everywhere in our culture nowadays. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing some of the history and lore of zombies and how their popularity has taken off in the modern culture, and talking about just what would happen to the world in the case of a global zombie outbreak. Also, as we have been mentioning in our previous episodes, in this show we will be going over the feedback to our zombie survival challenge. We would like to thank everyone who sent in their responses and answers to that, as it was a great fun to read all of your different answers. So this is probably one of the most romanticized types of apocalyptic events, especially in modern times, as a result of, you know, some movies, TV shows, video games, stuff like that. And there's a ton of people out there, especially on the internet, who would like to try their hand at surviving the zombie apocalypse. And I'm not going to pretend that I, too, haven't fantasized about this sort of situation. I mean, if you think about it, this sort of situation kind of makes money and credit cards become obsolete, and you don't have to wake up and go to work or class, you don't have to pay bills, all you have to do is worry about the essentials in life, food, water, shelter, and survival. The rest is up to you. That's a pretty basic life. It can be terrifying, of course, but there's always people who have that uh, appeal and drive to the apocalypse, whatever setting it may be especially with zombies lately. So first off, uh, let's talk a little bit about where exactly the concepts of zombies come from and how they have evolved over time and spread in popularity in the past couple decades. So zombies are fictional creatures or beings that are considered undead, as in something that died but then came back. These reanimated human corpses then usually go on to feast on the living. The concept of zombies have been around for quite some time. The actual term itself comes from Haitian folklore, where legends have it that human corpses were reanimated using black magic and rituals. The word zombie itself dates back almost two centuries, but the first instance of the modern concept of the zombie wasn't written until 1929. So there exists a variety of mechanisms by which a zombie can come into existence. The classic zombie is a human that has died, been buried, and had time to rot and decay. Then, via whatever power or spell that causes the dead to come to life, it's frequently illustrated as as coming out of the ground with the stereotypical rotting hand piercing through the soil and clawing its way back into existence. So over the decades since entertainment met its first zombies, society became bored and less afraid of these slow-moving, barely living dead creatures. And the process of turning 
became faster and faster. And in the recent movie, World War Z, we see humans turning into zombies in a matter of seconds in a violent explosion of aggression and madness. And the zombies in World War Z and other movies like 28 Days Later are fast-moving, vicious creatures that are far more terrifying, in my opinion, than some of the more uh, first-generation zombies. And I've even seen a, a grid that differentiates zombies based on two different factors, speed and intelligence. So, for example, the slowest and dumbest zombies are those found in a movie called Shaun of the Dead. Dumb and fast zombies would be found in the movie Zombieland. Slow and smart zombies would be found in a movie called Planet Terror, which I personally can't vouch for because I haven't seen it. I'd also say uh, Day of the Dead because, well, I guess just one zombie in particular, Bob, who learned how to fire a gun. So I guess he's kind of in that category. Definitely. And then finally, the most dangerous zombies that are smart and fast. So examples of these might be found in the movie 28 Days Later. Right. And we'll get into a little discussion about the different zombies later on. Now, as Eric was saying, the early works of zombies and film and literature, they were kind of just mindless goons or husk of people serving their masters rather than the violent cannibalistic beings that we kind of know them as today. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein showed elements of European influence of the undead. And Richard Matheson's infamous novel, I Am Legend, had monsters that were pretty similar to zombies or the undead, although they were also heavily influenced by the legends of vampires. Zombies were not as widespread or used in the media as they are in the recent years, as they would just be seen sporadically in films up until the 1960s. Perhaps one of my favorite and least favorite films that feature the undead is Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is regarded by many as one of the worst movies in the history of cinema, but an absolute hilarious, terrible piece if you watch it after a few drinks. Now, even though these reanimated corpses were seen in literature and films, they were simply just known as ghouls or just the undead. They didn't really have that trendy name of zombies. Now, it wasn't until 1968 when we would first see the adaptation of the modern version of the undead, creatures that would soon become well-known as zombies. Night of the Living Dead, directed by the legendary George A. Romero, features a group of people locked in a farmhouse surrounded by a horde of walking corpses trying to break in and devour the living inside. This was pretty much the first instance of, of showing these undead beings not under the influence of magic or some type of paranormal outside forces, but rather just creatures driven by their own natural desires for human flesh. Night of the Living Dead became a cult classic, infamous for its high level of gore for its day. Later on in 1978, it would later spawn what many people consider to be the penultimate classic zombie movie, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn again featured a small group of survivors, this time holding up in a shopping mall. This movie raised the level of violence and gore even further, showing zombies being hacked apart, heads exploding from shotgun blasts, and of course the ripping out of the guts and intestines, which is now a staple of the zombie genre. After Dawn of the Dead became a hit, 
In the 1970s, zombie movies became much more popular, and with its concept of the undead grew in popularity over the years. New zombie films came out, remakes of the classics came out, and the undead spread among other media outlets like books, comics, and video games. And also the ideas of zombies evolved over time, just as Eric was talking before, where now you have smart zombies, fast zombies, zombies that are infected by viruses, and what have you. Cute zombies, ugly zombies, blonde zombies. Nazi zombies. <laughs> so I guess we'll get into some just general zombie discussion now. Eric, I'll ask you, what's your favorite zombie movie or show or any type of media? Ah, I'd probably say my favorite show is not to be stereotypical, but Walking Dead's definitely up there. Although recent episodes have gone a little overboard and in some regards made me kind of lose my appetite, so to speak, for the show. Um, And then in terms of movies, I'd say 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, those two. Nothing's more terrifying to me than these zombies that are tremendously fast and strong. And the way they portray them in the film is simply horrific to me. Yeah, I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead also, although it has its ups and downs. It's certainly an entertaining show. And as for movies, my favorite zombie movie and probably favorite movie of all times is Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I will agree with you on the 28 Days Later with the fast zombies are probably a lot more frightening than the dumb, stumbling ones that we all know and love. But I think Shaun of the Dead for me takes the cake as far as zombie movies go although i do like the classics of the night dawn and day of the dead trilogy but so as we we're just talking about the different types of zombies uh we've kind of alluded to them in the history segment and then the different movies and stuff so there's a bunch of different ways of zombies or undead creatures coming back to life some of the older ones are either some kind of magic or ritualistic or religious um, ceremonies that brought that brought dead people back to life. Again, that's based on kind of influence from the old Haitian folklore. Uh, nowadays, you don't really see many, as far as movies go, you don't really see any magic zombies or anything. That probably the only thing you find is like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or something where you find people brought back to the dead from magic. Magic zombies, that sounds kind of like a bad combination, at least for humanity. True, yeah. Well, I guess the zombies themselves can't use magic because they're too dumb, but... <laughs> Another one is with the the 28 Days Later, where the people actually infected with, like, a... It's a virus, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's the, it's the rage virus. You're right. So, I guess they're not technically zombies because i don't think that they don't die first they just get infected and then kind of change pretty quickly i guess with those zombies like they are fast and terrifying but i think you can still kill them kind of like the normal way as a human whereas the, the classic zombies you know you have to remove the head or destroy the brain but i think if it's just a human that's infected you can still just you know shoot it in the heart or dismember it and it'll just die of blood loss yeah, but it, it, I guess it depends on what genre of zombie you're talking about because you've got the the people in Walking Dead who were infected and tried to kill themselves by hanging or something like that, and then they ended up coming back to life as 
zombies. That's true, yeah. So I guess, at least in the show, The Walking Dead is kind of based on a, a virus as well. Although those are just the, I guess, the typical dumb, slow-moving zombies. Eric, we kind of mentioned like the the grid where you had you know fast, slow, dumb, and smart. I guess I'll ask you what do you think is the most terrifying, but at the same time, what do you think is what's your favorite to to watch? I guess when it comes to me in terms of fantasizing about the zombie apocalypse, I definitely prefer the the slow, dumb ones. But any of the ones that are kind of smart, regardless of whether they're slow or fast. Any of them that are that are smart are kind of terrifying. So there's this other movie out there called The Crazies, and a lot of people haven't heard of it. It's actually one of my favorites, but the and I don't even know if I would call the characters in this necessarily zombies. The reason being is because they're kind of conscious and they have the same characteristics and personality traits as their former human selves but they're just violent creatures that are kind of immune to pain and they have strange bodily fluids oozing out of their orifices so those ones are kind of terrify me they're not like i said they're not super fast but they have regular intelligence just like any human being so those ones are terrifying right yeah the like the 28 days later the fast ones those are pretty terrifying, but I know if I was in that situation, since I'm slow as hell, like I wouldn't even stand a chance. So I'd probably just like swallow a bullet the first news bullets in about these fast zombies or anything. I can see you trying to escape from a horde of those fast zombies. You'd have an asthma attack in the middle of a field and be toast in no time. Yeah, that would not work well. Yeah, I guess I do kind of like the the intelligent zombies over just the dumb, mindless ones. I guess those are the, the, kind of the typical ones. But, yeah, it's always interesting when they have show some kind of humanity. Even the old, original Dawn of the Dead, you know, all those people are attracted to the shopping mall because that place meant something to them. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just wander in and out of the stores, not really doing anything, but still just kind of going about their old daily lives. <laughs> a little, A little sad, but... Yeah, it's kind of pathetic. Yeah, makes you makes you kind of the zombies pull on your heartstrings a little bit. You feel bad bad for them. Yeah, I guess they don't have their priorities straight if they go to the mall instead of going back home. But I suppose not. Yeah. As we kind of segue into talking about the actual zombie apocalypse, as we kind of we've talked about a number of different apocalyptic scenarios in a couple episodes previously. So, how do you think the zombie apocalypse compares to some of the other well-known apocalyptic events. You know, I was thinking about this. There's definitely a higher chance of survival in your run-of-the-mill zombie apocalyptic scenario. You know, compared with any sort of uh, cataclysmic like solar flare or interplanetary collision or even a supervolcano type scenario would just totally extinguish all human life and all life in general. Um, so in that kind of apocalyptic scenario, it's just depressing because there's no hope. But, you know, with zombies, you got a fighting chance. Right. And that that's kind of the – that's why I like the zombie apocalypse. Um, also, I'd imagine that a zombie outbreak would 
do nothing more than really kind of thin out the human population, if only for a brief period of time before, you know, it was completely over and done with. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true compared to things like, like you said, super volcanoes or gamma ray bursts, the kind of things that we covered before where it changes the environment of the earth itself. So it becomes basically unlivable. Or here, it's, I mean, it's basically, you know, it's the same old planet, but it's just filled with millions of walking or running creatures that are trying to eat you. So I guess it has its pros and cons. Yeah. But like you said, you, have, you stand a much better, at least a fighting chance against zombies than you do against, you know, an asteroid falling out of the sky or something like that. Right, right. So if a zombie apocalypse or some kind of outbreak were to happen, what do you think of some of the ways that zombies could either spread or if the whole thing is even realistic? Uh, I mean, personally, I don't think it's terribly realistic. Now, there's a number of different variables going into this. You know, unless there was sort of an extended incubation period where people became infected and then before they see any signs and symptoms of the infection, they have a week or so to go around and spread the virus to other people, you know, then that's definitely a scenario where this sort of outbreak could occur. It reminds me of, uh, I can't remember where that that game is, like that virus outbreak game where you design a a virus or something and try to spread it. But that's one of the things that you want to do is you want to get it to spread as many people as possible before the symptoms actually start showing up. So it's harder to quarantine. Yeah. Um, so I guess something like you said, that's it's very infectious, but it has a high incubation rate where it would spread really wide around the globe before zombies would actually start popping up. Right. Or something that's like airborne that just like circulates and infects everybody. But, you know, otherwise it would be too easy to contain and quarantine these these creatures. So, say, for example, you know, we find zombie one that was created in a lab. And in order to create more zombies, that zombie has to bite other zombies. And, you know, there's a dozen or even a hundred of these things coming out of a single building. Right. And they're just biting other humans and turning them into zombies. That sort of scenario would be quickly overrun, even by a, a small group of well-armed and well-trained military men, just because they would they would just mow them down with machine guns or or lock the fence and bomb them. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess because in the twenty-eight days later, at least you have you know you actually see zombie zero, the original, the first couple people get infected, and it kind of spreads throughout the city and the countryside, but as you kind of find out in the sequel 28 weeks later, they were able to at the time successfully kind of quarantine it. If the outbreak is starting in just one area, we do stand a good chance of, you know, quarantining it or containing it. Right. Even if, even if the, the outbreak, you know, like consumed our entire County, all they would have to do would be to drop a big old bomb on, on on our county and right. just wipe out all the zombies that's true i mean i guess if you have once the zombies get to a you know if you get thousands of them if you have the military come in i guess it still be tricky because if we're going with the classic zombies where you have to get a headshot or you have to actually destroy the brain that's true you know i, I can see where you know if a military 
is up against a huge swarm and they're just firing machine guns, you know, a lot of those bullets are just going to be passing right through the bodies and that's not really going to affect the zombies at all. That's true. I guess realistically speaking, unless some kind of virus were to just suddenly activate around the globe, other than that, I don't really see a apocalyptic situation coming out of some kind of zombie outbreak. However, since this is episode all about the zombie apocalypse, we're just going to, from this point on, we're going to assume that the dead are walking and, you know, everyone is dying, cities are being overrun by these zombies, so we're going to discuss some survival tactics and strategies. So, I guess one of the first questions is, once you first hearing the first reports of zombies and you actually know that it's real and not some kind of hoax and they're undead arising and attacking people what would be your first couple of steps so the first thing i would do is arm myself and find the nearest place like a, a walmart or something and load my cart up with all all the stuff i can get my hands on go up to the cash register if people are even still waiting for me to to swipe my credit card i just swipe my credit card and charge it and then take off get all that stuff i'm talking machetes matches ammo uh food beer canned goods beer stuff like that yeah get it back get it back to the house and hunker down that's why i kind of hope that if this scenario were to happen that it would happen at like four or five in the morning because that's when i'm normally up and i'd be one of the few people around that would know about it right yeah i guess that's the benefit of being an early bird you betcha problem i'd i guess going to like a place like walmart or something to stock up is a good strategy unless like you were saying you aren't an early bird because you know how it gets crazy around here when there's like a hurricane scare or something people go crazy at you know walmarts and the krogers and stuff and start fighting over basic necessities i mean if it's like a friday yeah so i mean if it's like an actual zombie outbreak i can see people getting violent and just going nuts trying to either steal or loot or just you know i'd almost be afraid of going near these major shopping centers because one you have a whole bunch of people there and as people kind of know with all zombie stuff the more grouped population the more chances of some of them are turning to zombies and causing a mass hysteria. So I would actually probably like trying to seek out a, I guess a more suburban or some kind of shopping center that's kind of out of the way and not very popular. Even if it won't have, you know, all the necessities of a Walmart, just enough to get by until the initial craze goes by. And then assuming you survive the first week, then you can start planning from there. Yeah. So what do you think, Sean? Do you stay put or do you go out seeking resources? I'd probably... That's a good question. I mean, I eventually... I, I might initially stay just because, like I said, I wouldn't want to be around all the people just going nuts and possibly the zombies already walking the streets. But then I don't have... You know, I don't have my house stockpiled with stuff to survive on for very long and plus i'm in a neighborhood not very secure so i might try to maybe stay like a the first day or so try to plan out with people you know my sister always she lives out in the country and she always says in the case of a zombie outbreak we can always head over to her place 
Ah, there you go. Try to do that, go into the, the country. There's probably a better place to be than, you know, near a city. Because, once again, the more people, the more zombies are going to be. So I'd probably try to stay, plan things out, gather supplies, and then first chance I could get, try to make out to the country. Yeah, that's true. I actually started putting together some extra supplies for whatever the aftermath of the Clinton-Trump election is here in the States. But I think I pretty much ate most of my stockpile already, so I should probably start over with that one. (laughs) But I think I could probably last at least a couple months, by no means thriving, but... I'd probably be a scrawny little corpse after a couple of months, but I'd be alive. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the first couple of months are probably the, the most critical, just surviving the initial outbreak. Because I think once, if you can survive a couple first couple of weeks, then either A, the military will get things under control, or if everything does just go to hell, I think it would just be easier than trying to go out when things are first going crazy. Yeah, well, yeah, and like you said, if you think about it, the the greater threat even than the zombies to any one particular individual's well-being is other people. Exactly. Honestly, because people, as soon as people get stressed out or freaked out or feel that they're getting shortchanged or somebody's getting a leg up on them, they turn into violent animals. So, Well, you see that with natural disasters and stuff too, that once things go to hell and you know the law enforcement can't do anything you know people start looting start attacking people and if you think it's a zombie apocalypse where that thing's happening all over the place oh yeah i mean yeah people will take justice into their hands they will attack people who you know anybody they seem as a threat i think that's kind of one of the common themes throughout any zombie genre or movie is that Really, the people are the biggest threat in the end than the zombies. Yeah. The next thing is if you do survive the initial encounter, you know, you've gone through your stockpile, where would you go after you've run out of your supplies? Would you just try to stay around your home or would you try to seek out some other type of shelter? Uh, I would eventually probably put everybody in our SUV and make my way for somewhere more more uh more rural right. more wooded yeah somewhere where we can live off the land or in my case probably die off the land but <laughs> yeah I, the same i'd probably like i said head out into the the country or something cuz i'd want to go to some place that's kind of sparsely populated as is just because you know, as humans turn into zombies, if there's not that many humans around the area anyway, you're going to have less zombies to deal with. So I think heading out into a pretty desolate area would probably be one of the best strategies for surviving. Yeah. In terms of protection, what what is your strategy here, Sean? So what kind of armor are you going to wear? That's interesting. One of the things that kind of really annoys me about a lot of zombie movies and shows kind of like the walking dead is that people are always walking around and you know white t-shirts and tank tops and stuff where you know leaving plenty of skin exposed for zombies to bite you um i mean i would probably just try to wear a couple layers of clothing at the least if i was just dealing with zombies you know maybe i think even just like a heavy 
thick leather jacket would protect at least your upper body, maybe some like jeans or something, maybe a couple pair of jeans or just something that a normal person can't bite through. Uh, one of the, the best things I've seen is just looking through zombie armor is the, um, I don't know what it's called, I guess diving suits or something that people wear when they're going out into shark infested waters. Oh, like the chain mail. Yeah, it's because I figure, you know, if a shark can't bite through it, I'll have no problems with zombies not being able to bite through it. Although I have no idea where to actually get that kind of thing. Um, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> or a rush two-day delivery. <laughs> the day of the zombie yeah. apocalypse. Oh, crap, the world's ending. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing. You don't really have to be bulletproof for zombies, just bite-proof. So I was thinking whatever gives you the best range of motion and the lightest material. So I'd probably just use a leather jacket, something, something kind of silly looking like a bicycle helmet would probably do the trick you know a neck protector maybe some goggles even um that sort of thing and then i might even carry like a, a shield with me that could double as a weapon right. it could be useful in large groups of zombies like a like one of those fiberglass swat shields yeah i think this kind of reminds me of the shopping cart jousting that we put together where oh, we had yeah armor just kind of built on what was on hand we had you know shin guards all over your legs and arms we had life preserver jackets as armor i mean it looks silly as hell but no one's gonna be able to bite through that so yeah basically anything you can put on that you know a person can't bite through is definitely going to be beneficial in the long run even if you just have like uh something on your arm like some kind of heavy sleeves. So if something's biting you, you kind of offer your arm as a sacrifice. So they try mm-hmm. to bite through whatever is on your arm and then you can, you know, stab them through the head. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I would definitely not be walking around in just a t-shirt or something. So what about weapons? What's your weapon of choice, Sean? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I probably, I mean, I don't have any firearms, so I wouldn't have it really have an option to begin with uh, i'd probably stick with some kind of basic melee weapon something like a baseball bat crowbar something like that that you know not too heavy has a little bit of a decent range something over a knife where i don't have to get within biting range to stab them um, there you go. something light enough where i can keep swinging it for a while without you know worrying about my arms getting tired uh so yeah i probably stick with some kind of melee weapon some kind of blunt object that you know one or two hits should be able to crack open the skull what about yeah. you yeah oh i actually have a, a battle ready katana that i would use of course similar to similar to michonne in walking dead um so i would use that and then i'd also have a a sidearm some sort of firearm right my colt 45 yeah that'd do the trick yeah i mean i would probably try to acquire some guns i mean i have limited experience but you know you sure. figure it out yeah <laughs> just point pull the trigger especially if you have a shotgun or something to deal with them close range i mean That's i would probably prefer some kind of rifle um if i do have to fire a gun i'd rather be long range where i can pick them off because i know the sound is going to attract them so i'd probably try to stick to long range for the guns and then, you know, if I had to deal with something up close and personal, that's when I'd get, you know, something like a baseball bat, maybe some like those police bully sticks or something to whack them in the head. 
I've actually got a boar spear too, so it's pretty large and heavy. Uh, so it's not the most practical thing with multiple zombies, but you could definitely take them out from a distance. So plus it would be pretty fun. I've always wanted to stab a living creature with it. Don't tell anybody that. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, I think a spear, you don't really see many spears in anything zombie related, but I think it'd definitely come in handy because one, you have the, the reach on them where if you can thrust it in their head where you're not even within range of their arms or anything. Probably one of my preferred weapons, I'd have no idea how I could get a hand on it again is like a halberd from like medieval times where you have, it's basically three weapons in one you have the spear you have an axe head and then you have like a, a hook or something so you, know, you can thrust with the spearhead you can smash them with the axe or basically just trip them up with the the hook end it'd probably take a while to master that weapon but i think it would definitely come in handy or at least any type of long spear anything like that that's a good idea definitely kill some zombies with that thing hell yeah so actually probably one of my uh dream weapons would be to have a flamethrower and it could you know cause a lot of problems but it would be pretty awesome to use on hordes of zombies just to light a horde of like a, a dozen zombies on fire and just watch them melt see i'd be afraid that instead of having a horde of zombies coming towards me i would just have a, a horde of flaming zombies coming towards me because <laughs> they don't really they don't feel pain so they don't really know they're on fire so unless whatever that you know, if it's napalm or, or whatever, unless it can melt through their flesh pretty quickly, mm. I think you just turn a bad problem even worse. But it would be cool to see. That's true. Yeah. I mean, if you can, if you can somehow use the zombies as a weapon and send them towards like an enemy camp, then I would certainly light them on fire. All, um, right. All right. Good point. I didn't think through it that far. Jeez. Yeah. Got to think outside the box, man. All right. So we've kind of given our own taste on the zombie apocalypse and now in this part of the episode we will start talking about our zombie survival challenge as our listeners know over the past couple episodes we have encouraged you to partake in our zombie survival challenge and this evolved answering a few basic questions regarding living and surviving in the zombie apocalypse again a big thanks to everyone who commented on our post or sent in messages or emails so in this segment we will go over the questions that we propose in the challenge and then review the feedback sent in by you listeners and give our opinions on how you would fare living in the undead world so for the zombie survival challenge the first question we ask is what would be your preferred weapon in the zombie apocalypse that we've already given our answers i would prefer some kind of blunt weapon like a baseball bat or boar spear for me okay please <laughs> Second one is what special skills would help you survive and thrive in the new undead world? I don't know. I have any special skills. It's all kind of related to chemistry and engineering, which I don't know how much that would help in the apocalyptic setting. What about you? Uh, probably I'm not good at anything. <laughs> Food and water procurement. Excellent. <laughs> I would say, I guess I'm I'm a humorist, so people might keep me around for, for comedy's sake. There you go. Maybe yeah. you can make the zombies laugh at you and let you go. Yeah, I'll put on zombie plays or something. <laughs> uh, third question is, where would your base camp or settlement be? I think both of us kind of said 
once we'd strike out trying to go into the country or just some kind of rural area, um, live off the land, sparsely populated. Uh, let's be honest, neither of us would get out of bed. That's true. <laughs> he would die day one. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be out of food day one, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know how to ration food. I just If I see it, I eat it. <laughs> and the final question is, what would be your general strategy to get through the zombie apocalypse? So are you a group survivor, a lone wolf, a recluse, a zombie killer, or something else? If you do survive into the zombie apocalypse, what would be your general strategy or strategies? So I'd probably keep my wife around as long as she'd be willing to stay. And then as soon as she leaves me, I just turn into a zombie killer and just go crazy. Nice. So you just kind of lose your mind, go into the woods, and just start killing zombies left and right? That's right. Nice. I'd probably seek out a group. One, I think it's safer in a group. And also I'm pretty lazy, so I don't want to have to do all the chores and (laughs) stuff myself. I'd be good at organizing the group and uh, <laughs> delegating. <laughs> delegating, yeah. yeah. I'm very good at looking busy, so that... Uh, you, carry me on your back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start going over you, the listeners' feedback for the Zombie Survival Challenge. So our first write-in was from Alex from Patreon, and his weapon of choice, he says it would be something silenced. My guess is zombies would be attracted to noise, so I'd go with a botleth. Sounds silly, but it really is a good weapon. Defensively, I'd be able to keep zombies at bay while still treating it as a sword in case I need to attack. A, a botleth, and I'm, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm saying it appropriately, forgive me, but I did Google image it earlier, and it's kind of like a, a handle, a, a double-handled weapon with, with blades po- poking out all over the place. Um, kind of like crescent-shaped. Yeah, kind of crescent-shaped. Good good word. So I think that's a pretty effective weapon. We'll talk about it in a little bit. So in terms of special skills, Alex says, Fortunately, I live in Montana. I've tracked animals before as well as navigated mountainous terrain without a map. I'm used to hiking for long distances as well as establishing shelter in the elements. In terms of his ideal base camp, he says, Like I said, I'm used to mountainous terrain. I'd look for a cave or some sort of valley to set up a small camp away from any major city. Less populated areas would mean less zombies to fend off. And then in terms of general strategy, Alex says, I'd like to establish a camp secluded and difficult to get to. I'd also try to establish traps. Being in a cave or valley with only one entrance would help with this. I could booby trap the whole, the only way in, which would hopefully give me warning to any danger. I'd prefer to be alone. However, I stumbled upon others. I wouldn't hesitate to share resources. My plan does have downsides, however. I'd be in the elements, so I need to focus on establishing a camp which could withstand a variety of environments. I'd also plan on being alone, which means I must rely on myself and my hunting skills. If the zombies get to animals, or if the animals become zombies themselves, I'd be screwed. Also, being alone would mean I wouldn't know when or if the zombie apocalypse ends. So I'd be guessing as to the nature of the rest of humanity, maybe bring a radio with me, is the power grid still operational for broadcasts? But I feel that once my base is established, I'd be safe. Being secluded, there wouldn't be many zombies to deal with, and hopefully I can focus on my survival without needing to worry about being eaten. So what do you think, Sean? 
Uh, I think he definitely has some things going for him. Um, Alex seems that he's kind of an outdoorsman. At least he knows what he's doing outside. He's tracked animals. He's hiking long distance. I think he knows what he's doing out there in the elements. As far as his weapons goes with the botleth, I think whatever, however the hell you say that, kind of looks like a weapon that you'd have to know how to use or you'd stand up more of a chance of hurting yourself than whatever you're trying to attack. So hopefully Alex has some experience with that and knows how to use it. Pretty good strategies. Only thing I'm worried about is what he says, like wanting some kind of cave or settlement with only one entrance. And that has pros and cons. I mean, one entrance means you only have one place left to defend. But it also means that if that entrance is compromised, you're basically stuck. You have nowhere to go. So that's the only thing I'm worried about. My kind of ideal settlement house or whatever would have multiple ways of getting out of it just in case one of the entrances is overrun. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this sounds pretty good. sounds like he knows what he's doing out there in the wild. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. He does offer the setting the booby traps would definitely be a good solution to this this one entrance That's true. scenario. Um, it would also be difficult, however, on your psyche to be out there in the woods totally by yourself for an extended period of time. And as much as we and I like to pretend it would be easy, it really would be pretty difficult to be by yourself. So I think you know, in that sort of scenario, you could end up being your own worst enemy. So maybe you could bring a, a dog along with you or something if you're going to be out in the woods. Or like a pet squirrel or. Yeah, that might help. Maybe you. even a pet zombie. Yeah, could help keep you sane if you're really had to be by yourself throughout the whole thing. Pet rock. There you go. Wilson. <laughs> so I don't know about you, Sean. I give Alex like a. I'd probably give him like 8 or 9 out of 10 in terms of likelihood of survival. Yeah, I mean, definitely seems like he's got his strategy down. He knows how to handle himself out in the woods. He looks like he could sustain himself off animal and the wildlife. He's got a good plan for his settlement. So, yeah, I mean, sounds ready to rock and roll. So, good job, Alex. I think you definitely survived the uh, at least the initial part of the zombie apocalypse. All right, so now moving on to the next listener. He got a feedback from Nancy. And her weapon of choice would be an axe. Not only is it good for beheading the undead, but it also doesn't run out of ammo. It's also a useful tool and can be sharpened with things found all around us. It also reduces the amount I have to carry, making my load lighter and reserving energy. Her special skill, she says, I'm a geocacher and know all the good hiding spots in the wilderness and woods that make up my rural state. That could definitely come in handy. Her settlement would be a small cave with a low entrance that can stand in so that a zombie would have to crawl into. Gives me a full range of motion to swing my axe. And her general strategy would be a lonish wolf. I'd want one other person and my dogs with me to share the watchful duties and be alerted in the unfortunate event that we fall asleep at the same time. So I think an axe is definitely a good weapon and it's definitely beneficial that it doubles as a tool you can do multiple things with it you can chop down trees you can dig holes you can kill zombies um one thing is though that you know depending on the type of axe it could be very difficult to wield if it's big and heavy in a situation with multiple zombies and something that's that heavy you know you kind of have to reset um, in order to swing it compared with something like a light machete yeah it's definitely something if you swing an axe and then 
either miss what you're swinging at or don't connect it all the way just because it does it is very heavy at the top you know it kind of swings you around and you can get off balance so that is something to, to worry about could leave you completely exposed yeah but like you said it is a very useful multi-tool to have so i think anybody kind of living on their own would have to have an axe along with them and i guess it could serve a pretty good primary weapon as long as you don't have to deal with big hordes of zombies i think if you just have one or two at a time pretty sure you could pretty easily handle smashing their heads in yeah and i i like nancy's strategy too about having another person or and or a pet that would definitely help your survival chances just in terms of your own level of happiness so most people in this situation if alone would quickly become depressed and probably be their own greatest threat Uh, however having a companion would greatly improve your your positivity and just your general outlook um one thing to watch out for though is if you lose your companions to zombies this could be severely devastating yeah especially if you just have one person that you're relying on and are surviving with and that person gets bitten and you have to put them down i could definitely see how that could pretty much leave you crippled emotionally um perhaps not wanting to go on after that all right, well, good stuff there, Nancy. I think you stand a pretty good chance with your skills, and hopefully your axe doesn't get you in trouble. If you do come across a large horde, I think that might be the end of you, unfortunately. But if you were able to play it smart, I think you could survive quite a while. So our next entry was from Laura. Her weapon of choice is a machete. She says, similar to Nancy's axe theory, light load can be sharpened in most places and isn't going to run out of ammo. Skill. I know basic first aid with some specialist knowledge of which local plants can help what. I have a bit of a green thumb, so I'd be readily available to plant vegetables as a food source. Um, her location will be a well-secured house or building out towards the countryside. It will give protection against the elements with limited access to strangers and or zombies. If possible, a water source nearby would be ideal. But one can always fashion a water butt if all else fails. She also wants things that are powered by the sun. And then in terms of her general strategy, Lara says, I would probably look towards grouping with like-minded people. It is generally safer in numbers, and provided there is compromise and compassion within the group, all hell shouldn't break loose. Well, not inside the compound anyways. like that. Yeah. So definitely some good points there. Laura's the first one who wants to live in a house or building rather than in a cave or some kind of natural shelter, which I would probably, I would much rather live in a house, even if it doesn't have power, <laughs> than out in a cave somewhere. Uh, machete, I think, is a very good weapon. Like I say, don't need to rely on ammo. Pretty light. I guess the only thing you need to worry about is the machete getting stuck in a skull or anything, but I think if you know how to use it, keep it sharp. It's probably one of the best zombie killing weapons out there. So here's my issue with Laura. If you have a house or a building near a countryside, it seems like a, a good obvious choice. However, if you're, you know, the only house around for a while in all directions, you kind of make yourself a bit of a target. So if someone happens to come across you, you're, you're going to be an obvious target. So if you, If you contrast this with a, for example, a city or suburb where your location blends in with a dozen others or even a hundred others, you know, people are just going to pass by most likely. Uh, They'll be more likely to overlook your location. 
That's true. I guess if you're in the country and you're if you're a group of roaming bandits, if the apocalypse has been going on for a while, it's probably easier to spot which a house that's actually being used rather than just being run down. Um, especially if you have a group there, because I assume you'd have you know crops going. Like as Laura says, she's got a green thumb, so she'd probably be able to get some crops going. Probably some livestock going on. So it probably would make a a juicy target for someone who wants to take it. But Laura also says that she wants a group around her. So, you know, if she's able to get a, a group going on, they might be large enough to be able to defend themselves if someone actually tries to take it over. And the other thing is, you know, keep in mind with group dynamics, these change when people get into stressful situations or perceive that they're being shortchanged. So if someone starts to, you know, consume more goods than the others or the others might become more likely to be resentful, uh, you know, no matter how like-minded they may be. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah, I guess if you have a group, it could be hard trying to establish who does what. You know, especially if you get like a lazy SOB like me, I don't want to do much work, but I still want to get access to all the food and cleaning and water supplies and all that stuff. Right. So I guess I, I can definitely see how that could cause tension, especially as time goes on. I guess that's the problem with any type of group setting in this kind of apocalyptic world is I don't think you can stay all everyone's like mind and everyone works for the greater good for very long before something snaps. Yeah. But overall, I think, you know, machete is a good, good choice. I think your, your first aid and your green thumb will definitely be, be useful skills in the long run. Yeah, definitely for a group. I mean, I wouldn't mind Laura being in my group, you know, if she plants stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'd want Laura in my group. Laura makes a Strange Matters team. Yes. All right, moving on. Our next listener is Jordana. And her weapon of choice would be something long distance, a bow or bolt action rifle. As far as close range, a crowbar. Her special skills, she's a nurse. Definitely come in handy in an apocalyptic world. And she's also a good cook. For a location, she says, if my current area around the Willamette Valley couldn't work, somewhere in Alberta, Canada, or Alaska. The general strategy would be to get away from popular centers as much as possible, but with a small group of 15 to 20 people. Stay put unless necessary to leave the area and build a fort. Like a pillow fort. <laughs> I don't think pillow forts would last long against the zombies, but who knows? Uh... So this is our first long-distance weapon, um, or ballistic weapon. You got either you got a bow and a bolt-action rifle there. You can't have both, Jordana. <laughs> you can only choose. You can't one. have both. <laughs> I guess you have to pick whichever one you're you're better. I with. like a bow. I like a bow. It, it has it sort of uh, infinite ammo. You can always make new arrows. Um, plus, it's quiet, long-distance. And if you need to smack somebody in the face with it, you can. That's true. And again, she says close range crowbar. Probably one of my favorites. Smash a few skulls if they get past her bow. I don't know about a crowbar, man. I feel like that would slip right out of somebody's hand. I definitely want something with a, a handle on it. But, you know, being a nurse, though, is probably one of the most irreplaceable skills. Knowing how to suture yeah. and to clean wounds and brace people's broken limbs stuff like that that's that's pretty much irreplaceable yeah i mean one of my strategies would probably just be to lie and say i'm a doctor (laughs) because people would want to you know want me to be in their group and take care of me 
than just watch house reruns. I was going to say, I've seen a lot of house scrubs, Grey's Anatomy. I can probably fake it for a little while. As long as I know just slightly more than they do, I might be able to lie <laughs> my way into a, a nice cushy doctor's job. And I, then I could just, you know, make it up as I go along. And general strategy, kind of what we were saying, get away from the most populated areas. That's definitely something I would want to do. She's got a pretty sizable group. Um, she's a small group. I think yeah, 15 to 20 people in a zombie that's, apocalyptic that's setting. That's pretty pretty sizable. That's a, that's a hefty group. I don't know. You need a lot of supplies. A lot that's can a- go wrong. A lot can go wrong in a, in a group that size. People don't know everybody that well, but... Who knows? If they can make it work, that's, I mean, that's good because you have the numbers. But again, that's, you got to feed all those people, got to keep them in line. So can either be very good for you or can also bite in the butt. Literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Letty says, my preferred weapon would be a katana sword, a la Michonne, like Walking Dead, LOL. No need to worry about running out of ammo. Plus, it's long enough to keep the these at a safe distance i completely agree katana would be an awesome weapon to have i'd just be afraid i i'd cut my own foot off or something yeah. <laughs> uh letty's skill basic first aid and good stamina to run away i like it and then she says i think an island would be good or in a boat out at sea assuming the zombies can't swim question mark I've yet to see swimming zombies, but that would be awful. Uh, what movie is it? Is it Zombie 2? Some movie has it where a shark and a zombie fight each other, which is pretty awesome and terrible. That's, but, that's um, weird. Yeah, so I don't think they can swim, but they can, I guess, survive underwater because they can't drown. So. Mm-hmm. And then Letty's strategy would be to gather as much food and supplies as possible. I can go either way, lone wolf, or be part of a group. So that's pretty adaptable. Uh, it seems like she can fit in with whatever kind of comes her way, whether she has to go out on her own or join a group and contribute that way because that's a good mindset to have, just kind of take opportunities as they come. Again, she's got first aid, which is definitely coming handy in the apocalypse, and stamina, being able to run it a a good distance is probably one of the key survival traits to have. So definitely gives her a, a leg up on some other people. If she can truly run. Uh, Letty, I think you'd probably get along with my wife pretty well because whenever she watches walking dead with me, she always talks about getting on a boat and going to some Island. So maybe we can put the two of you on a boat together and send y'all off to an Island. When stuff goes down, you guys can survive together. <laughs> good strategy. All right, next up is Michelle, my girlfriend Michelle. Michelle. Yes, so her weapon of choice would be a sword or something else that doesn't require ammo. Special skills is that she can also cook. I can testify to that. She's a very good cook. (laughs) And she knows basic first aid. I haven't seen that, but I'll take her word for it. (laughs) She would choose a settlement just outside of a big city. Ideally, it would have some sort of wall around it. I guess you might find something like that if you find some like rich dude's house kind of outside the city. That's true. I know in Richmond kind of has some of those where you have these big ma- mansions and they have those kind of big walls around it, big gates. I mean, I guess as far as keeping zombies out, it would do a pretty good job. And general strategy, I would choose to travel in a small group. I absolutely wouldn't survive by myself, and a large group is much harder to control. 
Yeah, I think Michelle pretty much covered the group dynamic there. You're not going to do well by yourself. You're going to get depressed. And then in large groups, like she said, they're hard to control. Um, they require – they consume more resources. They require more management. And somebody's always pushing to establish themselves as the leader. Right. Yeah, I think you have to find like that perfect middle area of group where it's – small enough where you can work together everyone knows each other um, but still large enough to be able to defend yourself yeah. and sword is I guess a good weapon I don't know where you're going to get a sword Eric's house Eric, that's true I guess you can lend her one of yours I got a couple swords she can use <laughs> <clears throat> as long as she cooks for me yeah there we go so pretty good all in all I'd give her about one day uh, <laughs> I'm going to pay for that later so next is Ian. His weapon of choice is a carbine rifle, magazine fed, no holds barred. He's just going to start mowing down zombies. Hell yeah. Skills, first aid, pioneering, wilderness survival. Thank you, Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts never did a damn thing for me. <laughs> Number three, my ideal base camp would be high elevation, low population, and heavily wooded. Think Rocky Mountains. Now we're talking my style. And then in terms of survival strategy, he says group survival would be best for me. I think the addition of trusted people with supplementary skills and the ability to delegate tasks such as forging, building, water gathering, etc. would be invaluable. Ian sounds like he's got his stuff together. Ian sounds like he came out of the military. Yeah. Ian's going to be on my team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he yeah, he's got he's rocking the rifle. You know, he doesn't say anything about a suppressor or anything. He's not going to worry about that. He's just going to headshot them all. <laughs> Bring them on. Loaded with, with, with ammunition there. A lot of good skills. First aid, pioneering. Like I guess the uh, the base camp sounds like you like that, Eric, somewhere in the, the mountains or something. I don't know if I'd want that extreme. Kind of sounds like it'd be kind of hard to live off the, the land. <laughs> but I guess if you're trying to survive against zombies, that might be the better option. Our final participator is Jacob. And his preferred weapon would be a 22 LR carbine with a suppressor for small game hunting or zombie headshots due to the quantity of ammo that can be carried and the near absence of a report. Melee is to be avoided if at all possible, but useful tools like crowbars or entrenching tools could be pressed into service to deliver blunt force trauma in a pinch. Jacob's skills is first aid, architecture, basic structural engineering, basic gardening i can help design fortifications and improve the condition of a base camp or settlement the ideal settlement would be a school on the outskirts of a small town few entry exit points to defend fence yards that can be sealed off and used as pasture for livestock typically a flat roof for rooftop gardening and defensive barricades sometimes also an enclosed inner courtyard area Often generators are provided for backup power. You have lots of books in the library, science labs that can be converted into medical areas, and provide useful tools. Kitchen facilities, musical instruments for morale. And general strategy would be a group survival. A community is even more important in times of disaster. I have seen how communities come together for floods, winter storm disasters, and the like. Yes, Jacob definitely has a more optimistic approach for groups than we probably have. Uh, I was gonna say we can get Sean to get Sean a harmonica to cheer everybody up. 
Hell yeah. With his musical skills. Yeah, or lack thereof. Yeah. Now, he, Jacob talks about something that I was thinking about earlier. One of the benefits to having a 22 LR is the fact that you can buy a, a, a brick of 525 rounds that basically fits in your hand. So that is a huge benefit. You can carry a large quantity of ammo very, very easily. Yeah, and also he seems to be against melee weapons, as he said, if at all possible. So I guess he just does not want to get within arm's reach of zombies at all. So Gross. Because if he has the option, he's either going to use his rifle to take him down or probably run away rather than have to deal with them in hand-to-hand combat. A lot of useful skills there, Jacob. You got first aid again. He says he's got some building skills, structural engineering, gardening. Again, that'll be definitely coming handy if, if you do have a settlement that you're planning on using for long term. Uh, sounds like he's got pretty good plans set up to basically turn his settlement into a big community where a lot of people can actually live and thrive there. Sign me up. Yeah, I'd live in Jacob's little school community. I'd let you take care of me, Jacob. <laughs> Jacob will be our leader. <laughs> All right, so thanks a lot for everyone who participated in our zombie survival challenge. Didn't get to everybody. We did get a whole lot of responses, so it'd probably take us another hour to get through everyone else. But again, thanks to everybody who wrote in to us. We really enjoyed reading and talking about your answers and feedback. So thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the strange matters podcast. If you'd like to email us and send feedback, our email address is strange matters podcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to visit our website to view or download any of our episodes, we can be found on the internet at strange matters podcast.com. A reminder that Strange Matters is made possible by our generous donators over at Patreon. At Patreon, you can support the show by donating as little as $1 a month. And as incentives, you can help us decide what topics to focus on for each month. And for some of our supporters, can even gain access to exclusive bonus episodes that we release every month. We'd like to thank our newest Patreon supporters, Matt and Brett. Finally, if you enjoyed the podcast please feel free to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. Until next time at Strange Marriage Podcast, take it easy, everybody. See ya.